Hello, nerdlings. Welcome to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. I'm H.A. Conrad, and I am here with the wonderful Ali Matu. Hello, Ali. Hello, Conrad. How's it going? Good. I'm very excited. We are here with episode 21, and we are going to be discussing... No, we're not going to be discussing. We're going to be discussing <laughs> Ghostbusters. Um, it is the 30th anniversary of Ghostbusters, so we're going to be talking a bit about that and about its legacy. And then we're going to throw Ghostbusters into the infinite crossover chamber. And who are we pitting them against? We're putting them against the men in black. That's good. Yeah. And then we've got a cool top five today. Conrad, what are we talking about? We are going to be talking about our top picks for sci-fi comedies, and it was a difficult list for me to pare down, although I feel like you and I have talked about quite a few of these or mentioned yeah. some of these, so <laughs> there may or not, may not be a couple of honorable mentions. We'll try to limit the list a bit, or at least but, I will. You know, I gotta say, this episode, getting ready for this episode, was so much fun. This was one of the most... Um, just fun episodes to get ready for because there it, it is such a comedy filled episode and um, some good theme songs too. like not only Men in Black, which we alluded to, but then who you going to call Ghostbusters? Well, but I have to call. Yes, it was a lot of fun prepping for this episode. But was it more fun for you for a very specific reason? Oh, gosh, it was my first real time watching Ghostbusters. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know how that happened. <laughs> well, okay. Um, Explain. I've seen parts of it here and there. Um, I have. I definitely watched the cartoon as a kid. I have absolutely no memory of any of it, but I do remember watching it. The thing is, um, and a bunch of, um, you, we've talked about this before, like as when I was younger, I naturally gravitated more towards a science fiction than I did fantasy. And I think part of, part of the younger, um, Ali wrote off Ghostbusters because, um, I think I thought it was much more kind of fantasy based with all the ghost stuff. And I wasn't really into that kind of stuff as a kid too much. Mm. Now, I mean, now I can tell you a lot about where I think this fits in and genre and my experiences but i think i just kind of wrote it off for a long time that being said i knew the theme song i knew a lot of the iconic stuff because it's just seeped into pop culture um but i hadn't seen the movie until seven days ago hmm. or the sequel which i also watched but that my story is nothing like yours your story is very different what how did you um how did you get introduced into this um, this series? Well, because I am old, um, I actually <laughs> saw Ghostbusters in the theater. Um, and I saw it many times in the theater. And because I grew up in Vermont... Um, there were, you know, the, when you when you get a run of films, it's like there's only a couple movie theaters and they're about a 45 minute drive from your house. And yeah. so there and, you know, I think my my mom must have gotten very tired because I wasn't, you know, I have a I have a lot of siblings and we all were equally obsessed with Ghostbusters. Um, so I know that I saw it in the theaters at least three times when it was first released. And then for some reason, I think my town had this, they had this random movie theater that kept going in and out of business. 
And there was this like one summer and this is like a while after Ghostbusters was first released, but they tried to open up again. And Ghostbusters was one of the one of the few films I ever got to see there. And the and the theater was totally packed. And this had to be like I'm thinking and you know, it felt like it was at least a couple of years after Ghostbusters was originally <laughs> released. Um, but, you know, we were still kids. Everybody was still having fun. Um, and you know, people would kind of make their own, like, like Ghostbusters pack and, you know, play make-believe on the playground and that kind of fun stuff. There's Ghostbusters for Halloween. And it was all the rage. I mean, it was, the song was out. Um, then there was the real Ghostbusters, which was a cartoon. And even, the cartoon was a lot more dark than the movie, um, even though it tried to be kind of funny. Which is rare for a cartoon. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was pretty dark. Um, the storylines were dark. Um, and, you know, and and it did go on. There was Ghostbusters 2, which, you know, there are some people I know that really enjoy this film that will remain nameless. But <laughs> um, it, it's, I don't think anything can compare to the first film. Because yeah. it was just so unique, and it really caught everybody by surprise. It was also, it was very much a summer blockbuster at so, the time. I mean, it obviously last, uh, had a big impact on you and your siblings. Um, you saw it a bunch of times, and it really caught, um, I think it caught on nationally and probably internationally, too, although movies didn't have as much of an international presence. Hollywood oh, Ghostbusters did, though. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it got there. Um, um, but well, yeah, and and you know, so there was all that that fun stuff, but I also think that this was probably the beginning of my my great and abiding love for Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I had seen him in other stuff, but there was something about this that I was just like, wow, that guy really just is amazing. I would like to see him in every movie. <laughs> Which is funny because originally it was supposed to be John Belushi. I know. Who was, who was in that role. And he unfortunately died before this movie could be made. But Murray came in much more last minute into this role. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Conrad, here's here's the big question that I have is what as someone who uh, was aware of this and i knew it's it's important to a lot of people and it's you know i knew it was very much beloved um what was it for you that made ghostbusters just made such an impression on you i mean it was a lot of things but i mean there was there were so many elements that made it fun one is that you had these these guys kind of going around it was supposed to be somewhat scary so when you hear ghostbusters and you're a kid you originally go in the, into the theater and you don't know that it's a comedy, or at least I didn't. I knew it was about ghosts, so I was actually a little bit like scared. Yeah. Because I was, gosh, what what do I want to talk about? How old I was? No. Oh, it is <laughs> well, 30, it was 30 it years is ago. the 30th anniversary. It's the 30th oh. anniversary, June 8th. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just, you know. We'll, we'll pass over this, yeah. this fact. But I was a kid. Um, and young enough that I was definitely nervous to be seeing this and um the opening scene is just it's in the the iconic it's supposed to be the new york public library and obviously if you're you're in new york you know that this is actually not where they filmed it 
but the, it's the t- outsides are all New York, but the right, insides, but the insides are, all are LA. <laughs> right. Um, Even firehouse. They, they found a firehouse that was built in LA around the same time as the real firehouse that they filmed in front of here. So the inside looks almost like the inside of the New York firehouse, even though it's not right. But so part of it, I think was that it was in New York. So there was all this, um, you know, anytime you had sort of a, a film based in New York, there were just cool things about it. Um, and then, you know, you the opening scene with the ghost was just, like, amazing. And when it started to be funny, you were like, oh, but this I, this is kind of funny and I could be into this. And it was just so goofy and silly and, and fun. And I don't, I mean, I, I think it wasn't just with kids that it, it caught off. Like, it went yeah. on, went totally crazy and... I, I don't know that that would have happened now if, if a film of this nature had been released. But I think at the time, this was like just a very cutting edge kind of an idea. Well, and it was the- a new idea. It was a very new type of idea. Like, cause it was, it was silly poking fun of itself at itself. Um, but also somewhat of a straight delivery. Yeah, you know, I got a. It's the original idea was even more, uh, I know. Awkward. Crazy. Dan- yeah, like I was reading about this and Dan Aykroyd's original concept was about these ghost smashers um, going out, traveling through time and space and fighting a ton of ghosts like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Like I think he's the only element that really remains out of that original idea. But then uh, when Ivan Reitman came on board, kind of scaled down the project to save money and kind of made it much more what we originally what we see now. But um, there's something about this concept. I, I think that's at, at the heart of the popularity of this. Um, you know, I, I watched it. Uh, I watched it last week and uh, there was a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed about it. Um, I really love the humor. The the script is just um, just so funny. And there's parts of it that I enjoy. Like, do you, you want to know what my favorite joke is uh, from? Sure. <laughs> it's it's probably not a joke that a lot of people will appreciate. I mean, there's no a lot of people will appreciate this, but it's a very nerdy joke. So they're both uh, at Columbia and they're talking about losing funding and the, the board of regents have come in and they're taking away their grants and all of right. that. And I, I think Aykroyd goes, um, oh, no, this is bad. This is really bad. I, I don't want to lose my position here. I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. Yes, that's great, right? <laughs> yeah, as a guy who spent like half his or 10 years, uh, the past 10 years in academia, I loved that joke. But there's so much humor. And that was one of the first things that really stuck out to me when I was watching this m- movie is just how good and how sharp the wit is in this script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I also think I have to hand a lot of props to Bill Murray in this because he was pretty much improvising apparently an enormous amount. Uh, I mean, he was he was going with the storyline, whatever, but he was just totally throwing out his own ideas into this. And you could definitely see that. Like, there's moments in the film where not that they completely break character, but but like there's moments when Dan Aykroyd looks like he's going to lose his mind laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
and and just to see people that are getting along that well and and just enjoying themselves is is a lot of fun but his character is the ultimate like you kind of want to be like him well, and that's um, that's what you're saying how fun it is to see them having fun yeah and i think that's one of the appeals too about the story is how it's about camaraderie and how it's about friendship and friends sticking up for each other and helping each other and um that's a really cool part about this is yeah you've got bill murray kind of going around and being like improving and having fun but then you know each of these characters brings something just a little different to um uh to the ensemble well and the other thing that i i really like about it and i like it more in retrospect and more thinking about it later a lot the main characters are all nerds yeah they're they're scientists they're uh the the accountant uh lewis um (laughs) the secretary um who is who played by um um annie potts and she does an amazing job um even even the hottie is this musician Sigourney Weaver. and she's Sigourney Weaver. So it's like <laughs> yeah. that, that was a big surprise for me. I was like, holy moly, Sigourney Weaver is in this. This has to be just a few years after Alien. Oh, yeah. Um, and and I mean, huge. the fact that they scored her for this, got her to, to, to be cast in this was amazing. Um, it, you know, there's so many pieces of it. And and I think people just loved it because it was a little bit cheesy. But the the. The delivery was was totally sincere. Well, and you want to talk about delivery. I think Harold Ramis, every line oh he gosh. delivered was yeah. right on. You know, I collect spores, mold and mold and fungus. You know, it was just just always, always so deadpan, perfectly deadpan, every beat. Um, it, it's you know, and the thing about this cast and Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, who's like, he's got, I don't know who's my favorite character, but Rick Moranis comes very, very close to oh, being Oh, he's, so he's, so <laughs> he's so good. He's so freaking good. He's so funny. And he's the only thing that kind of saves Ghostbusters 2 for me is just more Rick Moranis. Um, but, you know, the thing about, about this is, and if you look at the cast, they were all, this movie came out right before all of these actors broke big. You know, this is right before Bill Murray broke big. This is right before Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver. She was, she was probably already big at this point after, after Alien. But um, this movie sort of really captured some of the best comedians and brought them together, um, put them together in this one film and um, with a great script. And it, it, it kind of worked. But the other thing, too, is it's, um, it's not just a comedy and one of the and it's not just a fantasy film. What I like about Ghostbusters is it's science fiction. It's science fiction solutions to fantasy problems. Yes, that's that's how I was sort of thinking about this. And, you know, I, I wrote this off as a kid and I think I would have really liked it as a kid. I liked I really liked the equipment. I liked the look and the feel of this universe they've created. And it's it's really funny now as a psychologist, like listening to some of the stuff they're talking about with parapsychology you know some of the stuff that they're talking about was genuinely studied in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and people thought that we might be able to pick up on intuition and sixth sense kind of stuff and it didn't really pan out but um some of it that they're they're actually basing in real experiments that happened um and that was interesting to me there was um 
there was a lot of nice blending of genres. And after after I watched this movie and I watched the second one, I, my first genuine response was, those are really good. Or the first one is, the second one not so much. But it's really good. It's funny. I like the cast. I didn't quite get why it took off as it did. I and think that- I think there was a perfect storm. I do. I think there was a variety of things going on. I think that a lot of these actors had been in different things, and when they came together in this, everybody just loved it. Um, I, you know, it would be interesting to see. Just, um, I, I also think that it's a little bit different. It was a little bit different than in ha- in terms of how movies were released. Hmm. Um, how so? You know, well, because now it's sort of like you have back to back to back summer movie releases and you know um like 1984 i wonder what else was out there hang on i'm gonna look this up i think temple of doom came out that summer as well but you're talking about how this is the jaws phenomenon yeah When, when jaws came out one of the reasons why it was the first major blockbuster is it didn't have that much competition there was amazing advertising around it amazing word of mouth and it just sort of clicked and there's some of that we definitely see here where um there's elements of this that um, that I think Jurassic Park probably copied, where um, there is a very iconic logo. That logo, I'm I'm sure, sold a ton of merchandising. Um, everyone wanted to have the Ghostbusters logo, and then they update it for Ghostbusters Two, so everyone probably wanted to have it for Ghostbusters Two. Um, there's the the epic, amazing. Um, theme song and if you if you watch the music video to um to the ghostbusters song there's like all these cameos by the biggest like 80s actors which is really funny we'll put the link in the show notes but it it had a lot of the stuff that made um a movie a blockbuster it had this merchandise it had the music it had these actors um from different uh, different areas that could bring in a broad appeal. It it appealed to kids, um, but it also had some funny humor in there um, for adults too. It does a lot of the stuff that we talked about in our summer blockbuster episode. It did all of that really well. Hmm. Okay, so I just found a list of some of the other movies that summer. Yeah. And you will be. F- it's actually they had a lot of competition that summer. What was out? Uh, Gremlins. Huh. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Yeah. Um, Spoiler alert: They find him. <laughs> Karate Kid. Ooh. Right. Wax on, wax off. And then later on in the summer, there was other stuff. But maybe it was also just <laughs> Ghostbusters with something adults and kids could enjoy together too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you know, even then, like. First off, that's a pretty good summer. Um, But also, like, if that was now, all of those movies would have come out in one month. (laughs) You know, like, I'm guessing they're probably spread across a little bit more. That's just June. That's June? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That is a good month of movies. Yeah. Wow. Um, In terms of, there's other, you know, um, other things that uh, came out a little bit later. But that was, yeah. Well, it, it's got the broad appeal, um, and I, what really helped me to understand why this movie 
clicked so much. Um, I actually went and uh, read uh, Roger Ebert's original review of Ghostbusters. And I'm just going to quote from it. He says, Ghostbusters is one of those rare movies where the original fragile comic vision has survived a multi-million dollar production it's not a complete vindication for big budget comedy since it's still true as a general rule that the more you spend the fewer laughs you get but it uses its money wisely and when that um, monster marches down a manhattan avenue and climbs the side of the skyscraper we're glad they spent the money for the special effects because it gets one of the biggest laughs in a long time <laughs> so what's what's cool about his review is he's talking about how up to this point, there's been almost no big budget summer blockbuster that's also worked as a comedy mm-hmm. and how people have had to choose between spending all your money on effects or doing a comedy. And I was reading that review and I was like, wow, well, hold on, let's back up now because that is such a common formula now is to weave in a lot of comedy into these big budget blockbuster films. So I think the real legacy here is Ghostbusters, um, it blended genres, fantasy, science fiction, comedy, blockbuster, and it, it sort of broke the mold of what was possible. And if you look at, you know, trace it from from Ghostbusters to Avengers, I think one of the reasons why Avengers works is all the comedy and the fun in that film. Well, right. And you have to have fun. And I mean, um, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording tonight, but um, there is a a chat show that Kevin Pollack hosts. Um, Kevin Pollack is a comedian and an actor. Um, and you've seen him probably on a ton of different movies and sitcoms and things like that. Um and he basically interviews various actors and directors and artists um, on his show, and they end up having these very long conversations, similar to ours, Ali. Um, <laughs> except he's actually interviewing them, and it's he. It's interesting because it feels like they talk about they cover a lot of ground, but they talk about things that I don't think are normally covered in your typical. Um, press junket or whatever and um, he had Ivan Reitman on there who was talking about Ghostbusters amongst other things and there was this whole long section about it and it even seemed to me because I I think that he was just talking about like what it took to get that group of people together because apparently Bill Murray was very difficult to pin down and surprise 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 <laughs> um and then even up to the point where he he says there was a moment when he saw them all running down the street and this is like the first day of filming in their in their ghostbusters uniforms with um with their packs on and said there was this moment and there was just this chemistry and he's like okay this is gonna work and he saw like people were looking at them and being like yeah and that that was a time in new york that wasn't necessarily the nicest time in new york no it Um, wasn't 80s in new york yeah um so it was a fascinating interview to listen to to even hear that the director was was not doubtful but just sort of like had to have a had a bit of a ramp up to where he was like oh this is okay this is gonna work um and and also knowing that you know bill murray's kind of doing his bill murray thing and just improvising and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't in this case it definitely worked um but it was just just hearing hearing that one of the main people or like behind this film was even not was even just a little bit in awe of what happened with it it's kind of interesting 
it's it's cool now that we're getting a little bit more access and information and more stories are being shared since it is a 30th anniversary of how this film kind of came together and what made it possible. Um, just the other day, I was watching um, some behind the scenes footage or some B-roll of uh, that iconic commercial that they um, they create in the in the movie for the Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you experiencing problems with spooks? Spooks? Um, we're ready to believe you. Um, so th- they show all the takes in this behind the scenes footage, and they show the the other uh, versions of the the titles, uh, whether it's Ghostbusters, Ghost Smashers. Um, ghost there's another one ghost shooters or something like that and so we'll put in the we'll put both of these videos in the show notes but it's it's cool to see how this stuff came together and how so they had absolutely no idea whether this was even going to work as a film let alone whether it was going to become such an iconic um series and it's been it's been really cool for me to learn about it and learn about how um how big of a role it plays in new york um conrad i had no idea i almost daily walk by the ghostbusters building from the finale of the movie um it is in the upper west side i live in the upper west side i walk by this thing all the time i had absolutely no clue it was such a big and iconic uh building and now i walk by it all the time and now since i've seen the film i walk by it and i'm like oh that's the ghostbusters building i walked by the ghostbusters firehouse last night (laughs) oh my gosh yeah and i got i was like i'm recording with ali tomorrow i can't wait to tell him (laughs) Well, it's so cool, this this legacy that people still um, get so excited um, to see the Ghostbusters buildings, the Ghostbusters firehouse. Um, and it's I, I got to tell you, it is almost always the most popular cosplay at Comic Cons. People who are dressed up as Ghostbusters get so much attention mm-hmm. and love from fans. And part of it, I think, is the attention to detail on um on the packs, what are those packs called? The the packs that they wear. I'm sure they've got the a proton name. packs. The proton packs. Thank you. Um, people really love just looking at them and all the detail that goes into that. Um, but I think it's more than that. I think it's what Ghostbusters symbolizes, and I think the the one of the the legacies here too is this message to kids. And you watch this film. As a kid, I'm guessing, and it must have been really scary because I was looking at this stuff and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I must I would have been freaked out if I saw this as a kid. But one of the main things that you see the heroes do is they see some of their, their biggest fears and they face them. And at times they stand together and they laugh with their friends mm-hmm. and they get through it together. Um, they're, and also, that, science is cool. Also, science is cool. Totally. Totally. And you don't have to. And you're a jerk if you mess with scientists. (laughs) But don't you think it's funny how the dude from the EPA was like the bad guy? Yeah, that's so that was great. That was great. Um, I I also think that this movie is utterly quotable. There are so many quotes that have been pulled out of this film that you hear many, 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 many places um, <laughs> relating to slime and Twinkies and back off, man. It's, I'm a scientist. Um, it's technical. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that stuff. It's all, it's all very interesting. Um, well, and there's, there's the, 
I, I fell off my seat laughing at the very, very famous line um, that comes in response to the question, is this correct? Um, that that scene with the mayor and it, it was just uh, and the EPA man and Bill Murray was hilarious. Um, so I saw this cool infographic related to the, the 30th anniversary and it has like a lot of very interesting trivia um, and one of the pieces of trivia is that that commercial that you mentioned um, had an actual functioning 800 number. So, what? If, so if people would call it, <laughs> they would hear a pre-recorded message from Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then it That's shows, the, and then it shows the number of call. It received one thousand calls per hour, twenty-four hours a day for six weeks straight. Oh, well, and I'm just reading right now on that same infographic while on location in New York, Bill Murray withdrew a couple thousand dollars worth of small bills from the ATM and gave them gave them to the homeless. Yeah, I hear he does a lot of crazy stuff like that. Oh, what a nice guy. You know, it's um, it's a cool, cool legacy. It's also it's. uh, you know they're comedians these actors they're not they're not gigantic crazy buff movie stars we, we were talking last week about x-men days of future past and hugh jackman and how concerned you were about how big he became for this movie and here we have just kind of four regular dudes um who are just smart and care and um do good science stuff you know it's that's a those are some great role models for people to have Hmm. i agree i agree but no uh, you know what about what about the sequel uh conrad we should at least mention i'll I'll touch on it it's a 25th anniversary of the sequel i know i i just don't i don't think there need to be one i know people want there to be one and it happened and I know there's been a ton of talk about the third Ghostbusters, which unfortunately, I honestly don't think a third movie should happen. I don't think it ever should have happened. Um, but uh, unfortunately, due to the very sad passing of Harold Ramis, um, that I don't think will be happening. And I and I don't think Bill Murray has ever really been on board with it, even though there's been a ton of rumors to the contrary. I, he just doesn't seem like he wants to do it. Um, and I don't think, and I think he may be right in the, in turning it down, just basically being like, guys, you know, let's leave it where it is and, and move on. Um, and I also think for them to make that without Harold Ramis would be too heartbreaking. So, okay. So for you, the series really should begin and end with Ghostbusters. Well, the live action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I have I have different feelings about the animated series because I also thought that was a lot of fun. Um, and so I, I saw the animated series. I never, I, I don't remember it as I do X Men so, or Batman. It was so weird. It was you know, and if you watch clips of it now, just the the animation is is sometimes a little tough to watch because it's you know. It, it's old school, um, but it's it had these like really creepy scenarios that they would put them in. And I really I thought it was a little odd, but I liked watching it. Um, mm. And I think similar to, you know, how how a series ends and you see the comic books and things like that happen and the stories just kind of go on in fanfic and all that. I think that's totally fine. I just think with the live action stuff, it's pretty much the Bill Murray, Ramis and Aykroyd thing. 
Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't really see remaking that. Although I'm sure I am positive. Somebody will try to come up with a reboot at some point. Well, okay. So we should talk about this. Um, there's been attempts to do a sequel for a while. A lot of fans consider the Ghostbusters video game that came out a few years to be the unofficial, official sequel um so what's interesting about this video game it was written by Aykroyd and Ramis um they consider it canon it had the um the original actors it was produced by the same folks who made the original films and the the story and the feel and the humor a lot of people hail as being just as good as the movies the implementation of the game some people consider was was a little off just a little glitchy here and there but a lot of people love this video game so i think i think that is is a cool way to keep the franchise moving forward and to be able to explore the world and the universe of ghostbusters in a little bit different way um there's also the idw comic series and idw has been a nice done a nice job of keeping the the star trek Mm -hmm. series going in between the movies i think they have a doctor who series as well um i think x files maybe as well um so they've got a series which is kind of with the next generation of ghostbusters and that's where you know comments about the script that has been in development for a while has focused on the Ghostbusters 3 script having a new cast, new Ghostbusters, new Columbia students who get into some risky business with particle physics and basically need to save uh, the dimension from uh, crazy stuff that's happening from other planes of existence. And it sounds like it's... um, it's going into some of the more um, out there sci-fi elements that the original vision was of the first Ghostbusters. There's even now mention of a Zombieland director, uh, Ruben uh, Fleischer. Fleischer, yep. Fleischer, yeah. There's rumors that he has been linked to direct a new Ghostbusters. So I, I, I got to agree with you here. It's you can't do Ghostbusters without the original cast. And sadly, um, that's not possible anymore. With well, Harold. It's, it's also not just because to me, it's not just because Harold Ramis played Egon. It's also because he he helped write and create things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he was part of the creative process. Um, and I feel like without him. It would just to me, it would be very sad. And, you know, I'm I'm I would be open to maybe other people doing something different with it. Um, You know, I could probably see some sort of a television show happening. Sure. And something like that, similar to I'm surprised. I'm I'm actually surprised there hasn't hasn't been. been. Yeah. um, But in terms of the films themselves, like if you're trying to do anything else in that timeline with the same cast or part of the same a partial cast i don't i don't know that it would work so well and i really i mean i thought ghostbusters 2 was just not great so i just i feel i feel like they just need to stop and leave it alone but hey i could be surprised too you never know you know, I read an I read a cool article on tour about um, how to do Ghostbusters three correctly, and they had a few ideas that I thought would be interesting. Um, I think it would be great if they do um, somewhat of what the first Ghostbusters did in bringing in a lot of fresh 
really hot, talented, I, I don't mean hot as in like attractive. I mean, hot as in like very popular, uh, comedians and bringing in these, um, these people who are just really funny people and putting them together on the team. They also mentioned, um, have original, have one of the original cast members appear as a ghost. I thought that was pretty funny. Hmm. That'd be pretty cool to, to see it. And they also recommended having it set in the very far future and making it, um, you know, distancing itself a little bit from the originals. So I, I think it, it is going to happen at some point. This is Sony we're talking about who own this, owns this property. This is the same uh, studio that rebooted Spider-Man just a few years after the Sam Remy series ended. Um, I think they're, they're going to want to relaunch this in some way. And um, I don't know. I, I, can I, I, see, I can definitely see it happening, especially with all the... The press and everything going on with the anniversary, they're they're uh, releasing Ghostbusters in theaters again on August 29th um, in about 700 theaters. And it's going to be the remastered, um, reworked uh, copy of it, I guess, um, which awesome. which means, Ollie, that you you, too, can see Ghostbusters in the theater. <laughs> that that'll actually be really cool and one of my favorite things about going to screenings like that isn't necessarily seeing on a big screen although that's half the fun the other half the fun is it's seeing a it is a crowd totally yeah and i would it, love but, to see this with the ghostbusters fan crowd but usually when you see this much press and this much marketing and that kind of thing Obviously, they're going to do something with that energy. It's not just to do it. Um, and you know, oh, that's totally. the, the 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 business is making money. So so you're going to have to do something else. Um, there's also been a lot of interesting other things going on. Um, there was an art gallery that was that had like a touring um, exhibit. Um, I missed it here in New York. I actually somehow missed it. Um, it was um at some gallery on Leonard Street which, which is right around the corner from the Ghostbusters firehouse um and they got all these artists to do their different impressions um of Ghostbusters artwork <laughs> so there's a lot of poster <laughs> art and whatever and they sold limited editions some of them are really cool looking um there's an artist called Tom um Whalen who does a lot of really amazing poster art um, and so he has, he basically has a, a poster with the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man as a kaiju. Oh, like, and it's really so cool. cool looking. Um, unfortunately it <laughs> sold out before I could snag one, but so if anybody has one that they want to, to sell a fan of the show, perhaps somebody, <laughs> um, I would be, I'd be willing to entertain entertain that um <laughs> in any case it you know so there's all these things surrounding it which shows just an, a huge amount of of fan support and love for these characters and for this franchise but um i think people just can't but help do something new and and you see it with so many different franchises where this happens and sure. honestly if the studios don't do it the fans probably will yeah, and I mean this is this is a franchise that only really has it's got two films, it's got an animated series and it's got um I think a couple of video a few video games. Um we've seen franchises with much much more canon existing canon be rebooted. So I think it's only a matter of time. I I hope if 
if and when we do see a, go- a new Ghostbusters, it's just done with respect to the original cast. Um, it honors them in some way, and it um, definitely charts uh, a new a new path forward. Well, you know, fans honor honor them in many ways, and I was I was telling you before our show began that around uh, around my neighborhood there is a graffiti tagger that has been tagging. Uh, Harold Ramis's name. <laughs> in, in addition to the kale chips tagger, this this is a new this is a new addition to to the various sidewalks and buildings. Um, and there's there's a spot um, a few blocks away on a bridge where it's just like Harold Ramis in enormous letters. Like somebody somebody had to really take their time to do it. Um, and I, I adore the fact that there's like nerdy graffiti right around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to You got to respect and love a franchise that produces that type right. of devotion. That's, yeah. that's pretty so, cool. I'm, I'm really glad, you know, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is, um, we're able to share our nerdy interests with each other. And I think it helps me stay sharp on my nerd competence. Um, and I'm so glad that we've had this discussion and we did this episode because it really forced me to understand um, why do pe- so many people love Ghostbusters? And I feel like I, I get it now. You know, it's it's never going to have that nostalgic ping um, that it does for other people. It's just I never saw it as a kid, right. but I can respect it. I can understand it. And I love the fandom of it. I think I think it's tough, uh, you know, for me. A lot of my memories associated with it are are thinking how cool it was and then going to school and everybody thought it was cool. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like everybody had common ground with Ghostbusters. So it was it's this definite nostalgia and sentimental thing for me. Yeah, and um, it, you know that's what one of the things that surprises me is um, just who is a Ghostbusters fan. I'm, I'm always kind of surprised by that. Um, so many people that who aren't really fans of other aspects of uh, of things that we cover in the show are like devoted Ghostbusters fans. Right. You know, as they uh, should be. As they should be. Um, well, there are other franchises that were inspired, I would say, by Ghostbusters. And I think we should discuss one of them right now on this podcast, Connor. Okay, let's go for it. Let's venture into the infinite crossover chamber. Ghostbusters versus Here Come the Men in Black. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was practicing before the show started. <laughs> did you? You did. You did, didn't you? No, I will not answer that question. You, you did, I I think, more than once. <laughs> um, baby. Yeah. So, so we're debating Ghostbusters and the Men in Black. Um, Conrad, how can we possibly debate this topic? What is the criteria at hand in today's show? I think we need to just chat very briefly about, this doesn't have to be a long battle, um, but... Which which group, Ghostbusters or Men in Black, are the better defenders of the Earth? Better defenders of the Earth? Okay. So, um, well, they've got a lot of things in common. They do. Uh, they both have style. They both have 
cool cars. If you think khaki is stylish, <laughs> yes, I suppose. Khaki <laughs> jumpsuits. Let's say, let me take that away. Let's say iconic. They're both okay. iconic. They both have iconic cars. They have cool gadgets. Um, they also, I think, if you look at, um, well, they both have diminishing returns on sequels. Indeed. <laughs> so there's that. But they also both had actors um, sort of right when they were breaking. Um, I think Will Smith was just coming off Independence Day when he did Men in Black. And Tommy Lee Jones had a bunch of big hits at that time, too. Um, they both make people want to buy things. I That's think Men true. In, Men in Black made me want to buy Ray-Bans. And, um, you know, th- so they have a lot in common. But they also, down um, to their core, are people that are defending the Earth against supernatural science fiction really out there stuff whether it's ghosts and spooks and all that kind of stuff or if they're aliens i think i think the other common ground that they have is that they are are dismissive of authority hmm or they're they like to thwart authority a bit they kind of like to do what they want to do yeah, they're definitely rule breakers, even in that they have their own set of rules, basically. So, oh, totally. So, men in black are working outside of everybody's laws except their own. And then Ghostbusters are pretty much doing the same thing and thumbing their noses at everybody else. So, <laughs> while they do it. Um, so. I think that that they definitely have some common traits. Um, but but one of the differences here is um, Ghostbusters is really a small group of people, and I don't know if it true. becomes larger in the animated series. Um, I, it seems like in the comics they've kind of grown larger. Larger. There is a little hint in I think the sequel um, that Bill Murray makes some type of comment that uh, franchise is available soon or something like that. Yeah. So, so there's this idea that they might be growing, but Men in Black are really this very large organization with people all over the earth. Well, people and aliens. So And people and aliens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's true. I also feel like Men in Black have unlimited amounts of money and funding yeah. and backing yeah. uh, Ghostbusters while they do get some money um they they their operation has started out in a very diy way <laughs> yeah um, totally it's totally do it yourself <laughs> it's do it yourself it's on a shoestring like there is there is a whole piece where they spend the last of their petty cash on some chinese food <laughs> yeah, um yeah. I got to say, this is one of the things I like about both of these series is they don't try to explain how any of their stuff works. Nope. You don't you don't get to learn how that uh, neuralizer or whatever thing from Men in Black works. We don't know how the proton packs work. Um, And I think that's one of the things that made both of these films a little bit um, uh, genre bending. Um, Oh, right. And they just expect you to kind of go, okay, I guess that just happened and accept it. Which is actually, I kind of like it too. I love it. I oh, love it. also, Vincent D'Onofrio, Men in Black. Don't forget him. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, but yeah, I think I think that they are both very good defenders. Um, I think for the Ghostbusters, they are, they are defending not really knowing exactly what they're doing. 
So they kind of have like some idea about what's going on and why the ghosts are, are happening and, and all of that. But in the end, they just kind of basically wing it. Oh, totally. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of like, don't cross the streams, don't cross the streams. But uh, maybe if we cross the streams, this will actually, right, right. maybe we'll be okay. Yeah, they, they're kind of flying at the seat of their pants. They're, they're um, figuring, out, figuring it out as they go. It kind of speaks to that DIY uh, kind of experience that you're talking about. Whereas Men in Black, it seems like it's much more this intentional effort. There are missions that they go on. There's a command structure. Um, it's much more like... Um, it's much more like other large governmental organizations. Right. Um, and they're also trying to figure stuff out, and there's points where they're in the dark, but I just feel like the men in black are less in the dark than Ghostbusters. Does that make them better defenders? I don't know. Um, I feel like the Ghostbusters are going to put everything on the line, which they do. Um, but then again, so do men in black. And they know that... no. Both both reach a point where they know that if they don't do what they're going to do, that everything will end. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and so both are willing to just sacrifice themselves. Well, and I think I think the um, the Ghostbusters are a little bit more creative and intuitive. Mm-hmm. Not well, maybe intuitive is the wrong word, but they, they they're creative problem solvers, and we sure. see that in the first movie. We also see that in the second movie too. Um, so I'm going to um, propose a question to you, Conrad. If the Ghostbusters had the resources of the Men in Black, who would then be the better defenders? Like if we equalize all the stuff that Men in Black have. I feel like the Ghostbusters might be because Men in Black and if we're just are we just talking about the agents or are we talking about the organization? Um, let's talk about maybe the organization. Like let's say the Ghostbusters had as many people, as much money and as much stuff as the Men in Black do. Oh well, I think that they, I think that they would be the better defenders because Jan Aykroyd's original vision was that they should be on different planets and going through different dimensions, yeah, and, and things like that. So I feel like ultimately the Ghostbusters would win, um, but I think if we're just comparing them as they are, probably the Men in Black. I t- I. I- totally agree with you here um a little bit of a mind melding is happening um i think you're right um the men in black have much more at their disposal to uh, protect the planet and they do so in a way in which no one else even realizes what the heck is going on right um whereas the ghostbusters there's only a few of them and it's everyone knows and they're not trying to like hide it in any way um so you know i think we're if if we just pit them against each other, like as are as are, we got to go men in black. But if we pit them against each other, as we would like them to be and equalized, um, we got to go Ghostbusters. All right, I think so, that's fair. I think we're, we're we've reached a, a mind meld. I think we reached a mind well meld. I think this is basically a neutral i guess i I guess it washes out so chaotic neutral chaotic we got another chaotic neutral here on the super fantastic nerd (laughs) hour 
so, uh, dear listeners, nerdlings, uh, fellow Ghostbuster fans, let us know uh, what you think. Um, who are the better defenders of the Earth, Ghostbusters or Men in Black? Um, let's exit the infinite crossover chamber. Um, On to the top five science fiction comedies. Yes, I'm curious to hear what's on your list. Um, you may hear a couple repeats on mine. Sure. Um, but let, let's let get it underway. Uh, what is number five for you, mister? Well, well, let me just say, on last week's episode, we put two movies, I put two movies in my top five that would also belong on this list, so they're not on this list. Um, yeah. So that, I'm just putting that out there. Star Trek Four is not on this list, and Back to the Future is not on. Otherwise would totally be here um but with that little caveat my number five is a little film called short circuit ah. uh, <laughs> i love this film i love this film conrad it's from the 80s as many of my films are this week um in 1986 and it's the uh, it's a story of johnny five johnny five is alive um a film about this kind of robot that sort of um it becomes intelligent, um, self-aware. It escapes, and um, and a lot of funny stuff happens. Um, I, I just like the feel of the um, of this film. I like the spirit of it. Um, I like the hijinks. Um, my dad and I, my dad, and my brother, and I watched this film a ton growing up. And <laughs> as a as a kid, there's this famous. Um, this this quote that keeps coming up in this, this movie, Johnny Five um, keeps saying, input, input, I need input. And my dad would always take me um, to different places sometimes on just, uh, just, you know, for the day and whatever. And one of the things he always used to tell me is, son, remember, just like Johnny Five, input, 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 always feel free to ask people questions and get information. And so that's like this big life lesson that has always been stuck in my head is always gather information. And as long as if someone is offering you input, um, that's a valuable thing. I think it's why I take, I can, I love getting criticism. Um, it kind of gets back to short circuit. Um, so I love this film. It's silly. It's eighties, but it's cool. All right. That is a, a solid choice. <laughs> what do you got on your five? Um, on my five, I have got Jan Frankenstein. Oh, good pick. Um, this is, um, always been one of my favorite comedy films, but it's just a nice and weird take on, um, an old favorite. And granted, I guess it's a little bit more horror, whatever, but it's, it's a Mel Brooks film. And I think that they do a great job in making fun of the genre and making p- people feel like they're part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and Despite the fact that it is a comedy, there are actually some really great moments within the film um, that are very touching. And you still get that feeling with the Frankenstein monster going out there and, and getting, you know, even they even though they, they have comic relief, but just basically going out and mucking everything up. <laughs> and and then and then coming back and having to having you know it's definitely a little bit of a fish out of water and, and getting coming back and figuring out how to be accepted. So yes, it, it's it's most certainly a wonderful 
comic sci-fi film, but I think that it was just done brilliantly. Cool. Um, good pick. Okay, so my number four is Wally. This is the 2008 Pixar film, and um, I know it's, it doesn't scream comedy to most people, but there's a lot of really great funny moments here with the title character, um, Wally, and his journey, and his exploration, and um, everything that happens to him from, um, from being on Earth to meeting Eva... Um, and, uh, to finding the humans and all, all the other stuff that happens and I won't spoil it. Uh, but I, I really like this film a lot. Um, it's, it's very visually funny since Wally doesn't really say too much. Um, and even the score is funny. His, his theme is kind of this wah, 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 Um, so it just, he brings a smile to my face whenever I, I see him in, in, uh, in pictures or if I see the robot Wally, um. I, I love this character. So that's my number four. Um, my number four, oddly enough, given that my, my number five was Jan Frankenstein, this is like really horrible and cheesy. Um, but my number four was Weird Science. <laughs> that's a good pick. That's um, a really good pick. Also a Frankenstein tale of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Weird Science was an extraordinarily cheesy movie featuring uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall as the Frankensteins who want to make the perfect woman. And so they create uh, Kelly LeBrock out of a Barbie doll of some kind. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible, terrible movie. Um, but there is a nostalgia factor to this that I just truly can't get over. And even though it's, it's a terrible movie... I, I still will watch it whenever it's on. <laughs> I'm a little bit, this is like a guilty, like I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it. I, I know a lot of people who are big fans of this, um, of this film. Um, uh, my good buddy and friend of the show, Lowen Baumgarten is a big fan of weird science. Uh, he's, he loves to talk to me about it. Um, and it's, it's a, there's a lot of people out there who who really like it. That's a good pick. I, I totally feel, I feel like it. I shouldn't like it. I do, and and I, I'm again. It's like embarrassing that I like it, but I just do. Well, in another movie with doesn't it have like a theme song? Oh yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, which is why I can't really talk. You probably about it shouldn't much. watch it again. It really oh. is not good. It's just okay. not. But it, it's it's there. Anyway. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure short circuit would probably be the same way for me if I rewatch it. Um, so uh, good pick. Um, I'm going to um, to get my number three. My number three is um, another film that doesn't scream comedy, but it, it in fact is 1985's Brazil. Oh, that is it. I I I'll give you that. Yeah, it's Terry Gilliam. Um, so it's definitely uh, someone who's very familiar with uh, with comedy. And um, it's a film that is um, very, very strong social commentary. Um, it talks a lot about bureaucracies and governments and um, conformity and obedience to authority. And there's these tubes. Pneumatic tubes are everywhere. It's the future. Mm-hmm. Everything is pneumatic tube. Um, and the movie gets out there a lot. There's this weird kind of sequence in the middle of the film that people still debate what it actually means. Um, but there's a lot of really 
funny, witty um, moments. Um, it, while you know there's horrible things hap- happening off screen, the way that um, it's done is quite funny. So it's it's definitely a little bit of satire, um, a lot of social commentary, and it's um, it's just a fantastic science fiction comedy. So if you haven't seen 1985's Brazil, really need to check it out. It's it's a classic. Cool. What's your number three? My number three is the Star Wars Holiday Special. Nice fake, Conrad. I love I, it. I'm totally joking. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. I totally thought you're doing a, it's a holiday special. It was on my honorable mention. It Not wasn't, because it's funny. Because it wasn't meant to be a comedy, so I can't exactly. in good conscience put it there. But that oh, was Oh, you just punked me on the po- alive on the podcast. <laughs> I know. My, my number three Urgh. is actually Despicable Me. Oh, okay. Um, because it Much- is... Less cool of a pick than holiday special, but whatever. I'll give it to you. I can't. You know why I can't pick it, actually, and put it on the list. (laughs) Sure. Um, But Despicable (laughs) Me, you know, it was, it's animated, and that's true. And similar to WALL-E, it has just a lot of these issues about um, people being alone and misunderstood and then finding things that they really believe in. So... Uh, the main character, Guru, is is living this pretty lonely life and, and you know, kind of gets adopted by these three orphans. Um, but all throughout the whole film, he's creating these minions and, and different gadgets and just trying to be the best villain he can be. Um, and it's it's got a lot of very funny... The writing in it is amazing, Um and I think people across all levels can enjoy it. So when we were talking about Ghostbusters and I was prepping for the show and thinking about my top five, that film immediately jumped into my head. So like Ghostbusters, I actually haven't really seen it. Um, what? Well, so like Ghostbusters, I've seen parts of it. I was on a um, a long flight a few years ago and it was on the uh, airplane in in cabin entertainment system, whatever it's called. And I started watching it and I fell asleep, not because it wasn't a good movie, but because I was sleep deprived and I haven't tried it since, but it it sounds like it's a good film. I should watch it. It is a very good film. Okay. I'll I'll add Um, it to my queue. Add to your list. Um, Now on to your number two. Uh, Number two. My number two is um, a film I'm really surprised more people haven't seen. It's 2006's Idiocracy. Hmm. I have not seen it. Oh, you 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 really must see this film, Conrad. Okay. Um, this is Mike Judd's film. Um, many people probably remember him from Office Space um, or Beavis and Butthead, uh, potentially. But uh, this film came out and it didn't really get much advertising. And I think the reason why it didn't get much advertising is because it makes fun of a lot of different brands. So the premise of this film is basically uh, <laughs> the premise of this film is this individual wakes up in uh, the future like 500 years into the future um the main character is played by luke wilson um he wakes up in the future and is finds that he's surrounded by really 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 stupid people um, oh, no. and, and like humanity has basically de-evolved because um a lot of people um end up 
Um, uh, so, okay, this is going to sound bad, but the basic premise is, is that, um, a lot of people end up postponing the decision to have a baby or don't form families. Um, but then you have this other group of humanity that is sort of out reproducing everyone else and, um, flash forward 500 years and the people who are left are not, not really the smartest. So, um, but what, what's good about this film is it, it's, it's really, again, scathing social commentary about our love of brands, mm-hmm. um, of advertising. Like people are so stupid in the future that they, um, they, they kind of buy into this idea that Gatorade is better than water. So they start pouring Gatorade onto their crops and then they don't understand why crops aren't growing anymore. And then there's just like this global famine and stuff. So Luke Wilson is the only, is like the smartest person in the world. Um, and he's left to kind of figure out how to solve this problem. So scathing social commentary, but it's hilarious. It's it's done in a very, very funny way. A lot of people haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, um, do check it out. I, I've introduced this film to a lot of people, and everyone really likes it. So please uh, check it out. Cool. Um, my number two was Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> I won't go yep. into it too much. We all know how much I love this film, but um, it's you know it was a brilliant take on this genre and making it into a comedy. Um, and you know there is a trio of films that surround this, like it's a trilogy. I think this is the best of them personally. Um, but it really it basically hits every single comedic note properly even while being a horrific zombie film so um that is my number two i know it's been on my list before but i couldn't resist but my number one is all has also been on my list before so i think we we may be having a mind meld today i suspect Uh, (laughs) yeah i think it was on um I think it might have been on your role-playing game. Um, fan the, favorites, yes. Fan yes. favorite episode, I think it was. Um, so, uh, no, that's a good pick. I, I know we've mentioned it before on the show. Um, I, I think it was even your your number one pick for top five fandom it films. Was. I'm surprised that it's not your number one here because that movie well, is hilarious. It and is it's hilarious a, and it means a lot to me, but because I picked it as a number one before in the other thing, I felt like I had to switch things up just a bit. Oh, well, that did stop me because my number one pick is Galaxy Quest. Also from that same episode, uh, our role playing <laughs> games episode, episode seven. Um, it was my number one there and it's my number one here. Um, and it so- is my number one as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> Nice. I also had that as a pick, though, in that episode. So I feel some like I, I feel a little guilty for having two out of the five from that episode. But I, you know, when you're thinking about sci-fi comedy films, these two, like, I just can't leave these off the list. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and uh, Back to the Future, obviously, for me, would have been on there too. But we just talked about that. So. Yeah, we just talked about it. You know, uh, uh, this is where these two films belong. Um, sci-fi comedies and fan films that celebrate fandom. Um, no, I'm, that's why I was totally fine repeating them. There's not much more I can say about this other than, um, you know, you compare Galaxy Quest to something like uh, Spaceballs. Now, Spaceballs is a film that really only works 
if you've seen the Star Wars right. films. Yeah, that's why it was not on my list. I mean, same here. Same here. It was. In a, it's one of my honorable mentions. Um, so, but the thing with Galaxy Quest is it's it's got something to say on its own. You cannot. I mean, you can enjoy Galaxy Quest without having seen Star Trek. Now, if you have seen Star Trek, it is um, it adds another level um, to the film. And you, you understand that the, it's a film that's talking about fandom. It celebrates fandom. It has commentary about the fan and celebrity um, relationship. Um but it's it's also just a really really funny movie, um, so I, I love Galaxy Quest. Uh, Me too, and and I I just think that it is one of those laugh out loud movies um, yeah. when you're watching it, and it's just so many so many in jokes. But also, if you haven't seen it, it's totally fine. It's still going to be funny. Yeah, um, people still get the joke. Um, but yeah. Another I, I, one with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, man, she's such a popular lady. She's so um, awesome. But um, honorable mentions, did you have any? Yeah, I've got some. Um, we talked about Spaceballs. Um, Starship Troopers is oh, on my yeah, honorable that mention. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I mean, it's all satire. Yeah, uh, and I also had Evil Dead Army of Darkness on there. Oh, good one. Um, and then Mystery Sci- Science Theater 3000. Because um, it's not, I, but part of why I didn't have it on the full list is because it was a, a show and a commentary, but it's still really humorous and it technically yeah. is showing films, but it's, um, I still truly enjoy it. So it's, it's, you know. It's a, it's a good one. Um, one that I overlooked. I, I loved the show. Um, I have not seen the film. Um, I love the show though. So I couldn't really, I didn't want to put it on here without having seen it. Um, the only other one I've got is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm, um, I wasn't thrilled it, with the film, but well, that's why it's an honorable mention. Um, the book is wonderful. Um, I think the film, um, misses, it missed a lot. Um, but I'm going to put it on here just for my love of uh, the source material cool i also had holiday special because it's <laughs> it's horribly <laughs> funny uh it's something i watch every time i want to celebrate life day or whatever it's called we should just start celebrating life day as our holidays no <laughs> yeah you know what we should do we should record a, a commentary to the star wars holiday special i don't think we could get throughout the wookie <laughs> howling but <laughs> I know that's probably the point we turned it off. Um, so we would love to hear from um, all of you about your own um, favorite top five um, sci-fi comedies. What were the the science fiction films that made you um, LOL IRL? Um, <laughs> did you really just do that? Nice. I did. I did. I'm in that kind of funny mood. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yes. Let us know your your top science fiction comedies are um but um and or drop us a line um where where can people reach us holly i was about to pull up the the ghostbusters hotline um that would have been awesome (laughs) (laughs) we should have our own ghostbusters hotline oh totally 
Um, so uh, people can reach us at um, the email address, info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. We're also on Twitter, where you can reach us um, at Nerd Hour. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or check us out on Stitcher. Um, this week, where can people find you on the interwebs, Conrad? On the interwebs, I'm on Twitter. Die Prince is my name. And then uh, you can also... Wonder Womaning is your game. Yes, Wonder Womaning is my game. Um, you can also find me on the other podcast about undead things called Reanimated that I do with my friend Stuart Tiffin. And that's Reanimated PCAST. Um, dot on Twitter, com. and then uh, no, it's reanimatedpodcast dot com and reanimatedpcast on uh, Twitter. Yep. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> someone needs to go take a nap, um, <laughs> or some caffeine or something. Um, and I am. Um, who are you? I <laughs> am. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Um, I am Ali Matu on uh, Twitter. Um, at Ali Matu, I should say. Um, I'm also the science fiction psychologist at BrainKnowsBetter.com and Nerd Hour, Super Fantastic Nerd Hour exclusive, exclusive on July um, or at San Diego Comic Con. I will be returning with my uh, colleague, Dr. Andrea Ledamenti. We will be um, premiering episode four of the psychology of star trek versus star wars panel so this is a nerd hour exclusive um i hope to see many of you nerdlings there cool that's exciting i can't wait i'm so excited well it's been awesome talking about ghostbusters with you today ollie um yes it has been a ton of fun um it's been technical but it's been a lot of fun and um, until next time, live long and prosper. Indeed.